In this episode of the Bob Hoover Fitness Podcast, I go over exercise selection and giving you basically the principles of what to focus on for building your own exercise program so that you can get the best sustainable results for you because this is a this is a thing that is often overlooked and is not easy to do but is very important so i kind of gloss over and give you a little intro into the deep rabbit hole of program design and exercise selection and i think you're going to enjoy it i hope it helps and let's dive in Today, we are going to talk about exercise selection and basically how to build your own program. Um, It's very hard to talk about this topic in like one single podcast. This could be like a weekend seminar thing. This could be a multiple podcast type of episode, which in the future, I'm sure I'll do. I'll break it down even more for you. Um, But I kind of wanted to break down exercise selection and why you should focus on certain exercises and maybe how to split those up in a certain workout. And that way, um, you know, like the order of operations and what's the most optimal way and how to work the most muscle groups safely, how to not get much imbalances, how to get stronger, how to get the best progress. Um, yeah, I'm going to show you that in this episode. Um, so the, the key thing here, too, is to realize that there is really no best program every coach every different thing you see they all have their own philosophies some you know believe that those are the best and to be quite frank all of them work now there's principles that matter but the methods can change and i'm going to kind of go over um a little bit of my methods here um that i kind of use to to program and we will um, dive in. So you might want to have a pen and pencil in this episode, um, or excuse me, pen and paper. Sorry, it's later on in the day my brain is fried. But you want, might want to have a pen and paper for this episode because um, I'm going to drop some some knowledge, hopefully, for you guys. So basically, um, exercise selection. Like, what is it? it? It's basically as it sounds. It's selecting exercises based on your goals so that you can get the best results um and you know your goal could be it could be a strength goal it could just be health um and wellness it could could be a hypertrophy goal so you want to build a certain muscle um it could be a performance-based goal it could be mobile improve your mobility improve your stability there's a bunch of goals that you could have and um Exercise selection is going to play a big role in that. Also, what type of injuries do you have? Knee knee injuries, right? Um, If you're a runner, maybe you have some really bad knees, or um, if you've had uh, knee replacement surgery, or if you need knee replacement surgery, or maybe you just have knee pain in general. Um, Your hips, maybe you got hip pain, maybe low back pain, right? chronic low back pain, or maybe you injured your lower back, or maybe you have uh, shoulder pain, or maybe you had a acute shoulder injury, like a rotator cuff injury, or a labrum tear, or something like that. 
these matter too because you kind of have to program around these things. Again, not to say that you can't work out these muscles. I've worked out plenty of clients, not just online, but in person who have had rotator cuff tears, rotator cuff surgeries, labrum tears, um, who have had uh, low back pain, um, who have had low back surgery, who've had hip pain, who've had knee replacements, who've had knee pain, knee pain, knee pain. Um, and there's one common denominator between them all is do what you can do. Work around whatever injury or pain you have and find out what you can do. And most of the time, not every time, but most of the time you'll find out that if you kind of work around these injuries, you'll notice that some of these injuries might go away or if not even go away, like reduce to, let's just say it was like a eight out of 10, it might reduce to like a two out of 10 or a three out of 10 or something like that. So obviously your injuries are going to play a role in exercise selection, um, your training history. So if you're a beginner, obviously you need a lot less volume. So a lot less work, uh, and you need a lot, a lot less intensity. So a lot less weight, um, to get results because your body is not adapted to it. It's so like ready for change and you're not close to your potential so i like to say like just looking at a weight just stepping in a gym you're going to make progress just that's how sensitive your body is right you're going to make some progress and that's why they have newbie gains that's why that term newbie gains is a real thing because that first year or two is going to be the quickest gains of your life so if you're a beginner you don't need as much volume right you know they say in research, it's like 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week is the optimal amount of volume that you need to build muscle. As a beginner, you might only need five just to start. And then you kind of work your way up to 10. You have to stay at 10 for a little bit, then slowly work your way up. Um, and then intensity wise, you only need to lift about 40% of your one rep max to make progress, which is pretty much nothing. If you're one rep max, so lifting as heavy as you can for one rep, if it was 100 pounds, 40% of that would be 40 pounds. So as you can see, you don't need as much. Now, as you're more advanced, that's when you start to need more volume. That's when you start, the, the intensity needs to be higher. That's when making sure that you're in that, you know, 10 to 20 uh, range to build muscle, probably closer to 20 sets per week um, to build muscle. And some highly advanced people are even higher per muscle group. And then lifting close to like your 80 to 90% one rep max. So that would be more like if my one rep max was 100 pounds, I'm lifting 80 or 90 pounds. So that's a big difference. It's like almost double. Um, so your training history and training age takes a uh, plays a big role. Um, weaknesses, right? Weaknesses play a big role in exercise selection. So this could be like a muscular weakness. Um, you know, if you have like weak glutes, for example, and you have low back pain, or you have like weak traps, like lower traps, and you have shoulder pain, um, things like that, weak hamstrings, knee pain, uh, that could be uh, a factor in exercise selection. Uh, mobility restrictions, like can you keep your thoracic spine extended so your upper back straight during a deadlift or a squat? Um, can you fully squat to depth, right? So, uh, getting your hip in line with your knee? Do you have the ankle mobility? Do you have the hip mobility? Do you have the thoracic spine mobility to do that? Um, can you even get down to a bar 
for a deadlift or you have to elevate the bar at first to work with your limitations on mobility um motor control problems so basically like your form like can you balance yet with a split squat can you perform a barbell squat with good form and technique or are you still kind of iffy i i when i used to um when i would really be coaching people in person one of the things that was really interesting to me was when people would first start to use a barbell and especially on like a bench press i noticed this the bench press would be so wobbly because their body did not yet know how to handle that weight and over time each week it would get less wobbly until eventually their body was like all right we know what muscles to fire we know how to handle this weight let's stay nice and firm and stable and the bar would get the bar path would get a lot more smooth so um, that matters. Uh, your nutrition matters too. Like, are you overweight? Are you underweight? Are you uh, feeding yourself to perform? Um, your confidence in the gym. How are you feeling? Are you confident going into the gym? Are you not so confident? Cool. If you're not very confident, we might just stick to some dumbbells in a separate room or some kettlebells, or we might just stick to machines. If you're starting to feel really confident, we might uh, go more in the free weight room and use some cables. Or if you want to gain some confidence and get out of your comfort zone, we might push you to use some free weights and, and lift a little bit heavier than you're used to. Um, that plays a big role. Your sleep plays a big role because if you're not getting any sleep, you're not going to be able to recover. You're not going to have the energy to do it, to lift hard. So you might have to decrease the intensity. You might not be able to lift big movements that are very taxing. So all these play a role. And as you can see, um, strength training and program design is such an art and it blows my mind still like how much I've learned over the past four years about strength training and program design and um, seeing what works, what doesn't work and realizing that there is still a fuck ton to learn with program design. And I don't, I don't think it's an ever, I don't think you ever stop learning about this. So it's not easy. It looks easy on paper. But this is why cookie cutter programs kind of suck because they might be made for one person or they might be made for the person who made it. And that might not suit most people. Um, so, man, as you can see, exercise selection is based on so many different things. And then the last one, of course, is your preference, like what you enjoy doing. That definitely matters a lot. If you hate doing, let's say... Um, Something like a, uh, you know, barbell back squats just wrecks your back. You don't have to. You could do a Bulgarian split squat, which is easier, or uh, uh, any type of split squat, or a goblet squat, or um, you can even do a front squat, like anything like that. Um, or if you don't like high intensity interval training, like you don't have to do that. If you don't like cardio, you don't do that. So preference matters because. You want to enjoy what you're doing. Now, that's not to say that you're going to enjoy it all, but you do want to enjoy it. You do want to have some fun because that's what's going to help you to keep going to the gym, keep uh, prevent burnout and all that kind of stuff. So um, that's a few things that matter in terms of exercise selection. Um, now, as you know, we're mostly focused on strength, building muscle and feeling better. So I would say that's that's most commonly what goals are. And, you know, of course, we want to look naked. We want to have those muscles toned and popped out. We want to have the suns out, guns out. We want to have a toned little tummy and toned glutes and all that kind of stuff. So this what I'm going to talk about 
is based on that goal um, and, and, and whatnot because for the majority of people, that's what we kind of want. So the first thing is going to be to focus on movements versus muscles. And there's a reason for this because when I first got into training, I followed the traditional bodybuilding type of workouts. I, I would go five or six days a week, body part splits. So I would work out, Monday would always be chest day, international chest day, so bench press, all benches, like any type of bench um, press, like a flat bench, an incline bench, uh, decline, and then a chest fly. Tuesday would be back, Wednesday would be shoulders and arms, Thursday would be legs, Friday would be, um, I don't know, whatever the fuck is left. Um, but anyways, that was like a body part split. And that was thought to be, you know, at the time to be one of the best splits that you could do. Um, at least I thought so. And I, I didn't know any better. And I actually got some really good results on it. But um, the problem with that is number one, people don't have five days to go to the gym. Um, and in order to get the proper amount of volume and the proper amount of work that you need to build muscle, you're going to have to do a lot of exercises. So you're going to be in the gym five or six days a week. Each workout is going to be an hour to two hours, and it's really fatiguing. Uh, it can be really stressful on your joints because you're working one muscle group a lot in that session. Um, instead of just doing a bench press and maybe one more other chest exercise, you're doing like barbell bench press, incline barbell bench press, decline dumbbell bench press, chest fly, then maybe like a close grip push-up for the triceps or something. That's a lot of volume on your joints and your uh, muscles. Um So instead, if you program movements, you're going to be able to get more done in less time because with a movement, multiple muscle groups are being trained at once. So you're going to be able to work multiple muscle groups at once in less time. So it's more efficient. Also, research shows that muscle groups being worked two times a week is better than nothing, than one time a week. So if we focus on movements versus muscles, we can train a movement twice in a week versus only training a muscle once a week, right? So a typical body part split, you might train arms once a week, you might train chest once a week, you might just train legs once a week. But if we focus on movements, since we are saving a lot more time and not having to do as many exercises, cool, now we can add a squat to uh, two days a week. We can deadlift two days a week. We can horizontal press two days a week, which I'll get in here in a second. Um, also, when we focus on movements, we're going to be able to lift less days. We won't have to go to the gym five or six days a week. We can go to the gym two to four days a week because, again, we're being more efficient. And it's more bang for your buck because with these movements, you're working multiple muscle groups at once. You're hitting your big muscles. You're hitting your stabilizer muscles, your little muscles. You're, hit, you're working muscles that are... Um, also like um, holding on to the weight. So a lot of muscles are being worked in these uh, exercises, which means then since multiple muscles are being worked, you're actually going to be able to lift more weight. And and you could arguably, especially if you're closer to the beginner stage, intermediate, get some damn good results doing that. You're gonna Since you're lifting more weight, that means you're going to be gaining more strength because the more weight you lift, your body, your bones, your joints, your muscles have to adapt to be able to handle that weight. So you're going to get stronger. 
with lifting more weight and you might potentially even build more muscle because now you're able to handle more weight and you're working out those muscles with more weight, right? So for example, let's say you're doing a chin-up, right? Well, if you're pulling your body weight up with a chin-up, however, you let's say you weigh 150 pounds, yeah, your back is assisting it, but um, you're still pulling up 150 pounds with your biceps. With a, bar, with a curl, amazing exercise and one of the best for your biceps you're you're pulling up what like maybe um you know 35 pounds so like as you could see like it's so there's it's not as black and white as that and there's a lot more nuance but movements just are so much more bang for your buck they're so much more efficient and they're just going to get the job done you're going to get the best results by actually doing less than more if you can you can get really good and pushing hard by focusing on these movements I'm about to show you. Yeah, it might not seem like as much, but I promise you, if you just focus on doing really good quality versus quantity and pushing close to failure, improving your form, really focusing on form and making every set count, your results are going to fucking skyrocket. You're going to have less aches and pains and it's not going to be as draining as, as going every day. So um, that's why I like to do movements versus muscles because... Again, more time efficient. You can actually get uh, more done in less time. You can actually lift more weight. So it's more bang for your buck um, and, and whatnot. So uh, basically with movements, there's a few movement patterns that we could focus on. Um, there's going to be a um, upper body push. Okay. So we can push vertically. So above us or horizontally in front of us. So a vertical push could be like a standing barbell press, seated dumbbell press, um, a landmine press. Um, it could be a um, push press. It could be a single arm press or a half kneeling press or a Z press or something like that. Anything pushing above us. It could be a machine press. Um, a horizontal press is pushing in front of us. This could be a push up. This could be a barbell bench press, a dumbbell bench press. Um, you know, even like an incline bench press, I might more include that as like a vertical press, to be honest with you. Um, but a push movement, we want a both pushing above our head and pushing um, in front of us. And the reason why I bring up that incline press is because uh, sometimes like we don't have the mobility yet to push overhead with good form without um, getting that, uh, without overarching our lower back. So sometimes doing it at like a little bit of like a 45 degree angle above our head, so not full extension above our head, but a little bit up, but in front of us is a great way to still kind of start to work those um, shoulder and upper back muscles that upperly rotate your scapula um, without having to worry about your body compensating and the lack of mobility. So um, again, vertical and horizontal push. And then again, you could do this with two weights, with one weight, um, or I should say with one side, two sides. And then on the opposite of that, your pulling muscles, you do the same thing. You can pull from above you, like a chin up or a lat pull down. You can pull from in front of you, like a um, barbell row. Uh, you can do a, um, a seated cable row. You can do a one arm dumbbell row. Uh, there's a lot of exercise that you can do for here. And then same thing, you can do one arm, two arms. Uh, you can do a chest support row. Um, but you're going to hit all major muscle groups 
there. So like the push, the push muscles are going to be like your chest, front delts, uh, triceps, things like that. Your pull muscles are going to be all your back muscles, uh, your biceps, um, and uh, things like that. Then moving on to lower body, you're going to do your squat, which is knee dominant. So you're getting more bend at the knee. Um, you know, this could be again, like your barbell back squat. It could be a goblet squat. It could be a box squat, um, heel elevated squat if you want to get deeper. Um, and then in addition to that, you could also do a split squat, which is kind of in the squat category, which is where you're standing in a split stance. So it's a unilateral exercise, but you're not moving. So it's still a squat. You're just really emphasizing one leg at a time, which can help with any imbalances. Um, it can help with some stability, some coordination, some balance. Um, and you know, like you can do a, just a regular split squat. You can do a front foot elevated split squat, rear foot elevated, then a Bulgarian split squat, which, you know, I'm sure you like. Um, so that's a great option too. And then movement number four is a hinge, basically like moving through your hips. Okay. So not, not a lot of moving through our knees, mostly moving through our hips. And this is where something like a deadlift, right? So in order to pick something up off the floor, you have to move through your hips, right? We're not squatting at the knees, we're moving through our hips. Um, you can do a single leg deadlift, um, even a bridge, so like a hip thrust or a 45 degree glute extension or a, a glute bridge is considered um, a hinge movement, just an opposite because a deadlift, you're kind of working your glutes and your hamstrings from a stretch position, a bridge, you're more working your glutes from a uh, shortened position. Um, but that's kind of going kind of deep into the weeds there. Um, and then you have your dynamic leg movements, like your lunge and your step-ups, right? So when you're moving, okay, so a split squat, you're still in that unilateral stance, but you're, you're stationary. You're staying in one spot, right? You're not moving. So it's a little easier to balance, um, and you could probably you can load it up a little bit more. But with a lunge or a step-up, right, you're actually moving. So your body is um, you're using a little bit more core. You're, you're using a little bit more pelvic stability. So like your hips have to stabilize your pelvis. Um, you have to control your knee. You don't want your knee going all over the place, right? And it, it requires a lot more coordination um, and, and having your muscles fire so that you can stay balanced, right? And, and stay safe um, versus getting, getting injured, right? So um, lunges and step-ups are a little bit more um, advanced, but they're also great too um, for function and strength and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so far we have the two upper body movements, so like your push and pull. Um, we have the three lower body movements, your squat, your hinge, and your lunge. Then we have um, some core movements. We have uh, a carry, which can be good for spinal stabilization so making sure that your spine doesn't move um and and this is really I, I love carries because they are they care like first and foremost all these movements carry over to real life every day when you think about it so it's going to make you safer every day it's going to make you fun dude i've had clients come to me and say hey i used to like be lazy around the house and now like i look forward to like moving furniture. Now I look forward to carrying groceries in. Now I look forward to like doing all this stuff. So being stronger at these things is actually going to not only like aesthetically be pleasing, um, 
but also like it, it makes your everyday life a lot better, which is amazing. Um, it's going to make carrying groceries better. It's going to be carrying suitcase and luggage better, carrying things up and down the stairs better, moving furniture. So I love carries. There's a few ways you could do it. You could do a farmer's carry where you're going to be working on grip strength. You're going to be working on core stability. Um, I like doing suitcase carries. That's where you're, you're working on, um, anti-lateral flexion. So basically the, the weight's trying to pull you down on one side and you're using your opposite oblique, your opposite side to keep you nice and straight. So you're preventing side bending at the spine. Um, you could do a, uh, front rack carry where you're holding a weight in a front rack position. So in front of you, and that's working on your upper back, uh, stability, uh, you work on your core still. Uh, you could do an overhead carry, which is really advanced because you kind of need that shoulder and thoracic mobility to be able to get your hand fully overhead. But that's amazing. So there's a lot of shit, right? You could um, there's a lot of stuff you could do for carries, and they're they're a great functional exercise that carries over to everyday life too. Um, and then you have your um, rotation, anti-rotation, anti-extension exercises, right? So. Rotation is basically rotating your spine, rotating at the core. Think of like your Russian twists, um, things like that. Your anti-rotation is like a paloff press where you're trying to prevent your spine and your torso from rotating. So with a paloff press, you have the cable in front of you. You take a step out. That cable is trying to pull you in towards it. You're fighting that pull. So you're anti-extending. Um and then you have your, or excuse me, anti-rotating. Then you have your anti-extension, so like a plank. You're preventing your lower back from overextending. You're trying to keep it nice and neutral, right? By keeping your ribcage down, your abs turned on. So um, you have core movements there. Uh, and then, you know, you want to kind of have a balance between all this, right? Um, you want to kind of balance push and pull, right? You don't want your push muscles overcoming your pull muscles, that's typically what we have here, right? So I would say like, a, I know it's it's been shown like historically to be a two to one, but like, I think it's actually a pretty good rule, like a two to one uh, pull to push ratio. So for every push exercise, you have like a pull exercise, especially since we work on computers now and we're always doing things in front of us. We're always on our phones. We're always sitting down, slouched over in that hunched position. Doing like a two to one push to pull can really help strengthen those back muscles that we don't necessarily see in the mirror and that don't get a lot of work and attention throughout the day um, and can really help improve our posture. So for example, if I was doing um, a push exercise, I'd want two pull exercises. So let's just say I'm doing like an incline dumbbell press. Well, I'm going to do a seated cable row and then also a lat pull down, two back exercises. Um, so uh, you want some balance there. Uh, also, with like a knee dominant and a hinge, you want to make sure that you're uh, not having overactive quads or underactive hamstrings or like your glutes aren't being activated. We want to make sure all that's balanced too because, again, that matters for um, uh, strength, that matters for posture, that matters for your quality of life and overall function. So we want to make sure we're balancing that. And then same thing with um, your vertical and horizontal pushing and pulling. You want to make sure that you're not just doing one. You don't want to just be pushing overhead. Or you don't want to just be pushing in front of you. Or you don't want to just be pulling overhead or pulling in front of you. You kind of want a mix of both. Um, now, obviously, that combo is going to depend on the client and um, injury history and all these other things that we talked about above and their goals. Um, 
But as a general rule, it's a pretty good thing to follow. Um, okay, so now that we have the movements, now that we have uh, the exercise uh, goals and all that kind of stuff, let's talk about like the number of exercises that you need in a uh, program. So typically, again, this is going to depend on, it really is going to depend on Again, like your weekly volume, um, how much your body needs, um, your training split. Are you training a two-day full body? Uh, are you training a three-day full body? Are you training an upper-lower full? Or are you training an upper-lower split four days? That's going to depend. Uh, that's going to determine to like how many total sets you have per workout. Um, also, are you beginner? Are you more advanced? That's going to depend. So typically, like, I would say as a general number, like 15 to 25 sets per workout um, is a good number to, to aim for. Um, and I like to, I'll be honest, I like to go lower on the exercise selection. I don't like to do too many exercises because that's just more times that your body has to get ready for that exercise okay so what i'm saying is let's just say you're doing eight different exercises right well every time you do a new exercise that first set is basically like a practice set right your body gets it's 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 learning okay hey i have to activate these muscles in this way to really uh, lift this weight Okay, set two, all right, I'm a little bit more activated. And then maybe set three might be when the progress is coming because your body's ready for it. So if you constantly are switching exercises, you might not be getting the best stimulus um, and the best signal sent to build muscle and strength, right? So, but then again, you don't want too little exercises to where you get some overuse injuries and it is too fatiguing. So it's kind of like a little bit of, of both, right? So I would say 15 to 25 total sets, okay? And I would say split that up between about four to 10 exercises based on um, what day it is, your goal. So um, like if you're doing, let's just say... Uh, Let's say you're doing 20 total sets for upper body because there's more muscles in your upper body. Well, I could do one of two things. So I could do um, five different exercises of four sets each, okay? So I could do five different exercises of four sets each. So I can actually, um, again, get more volume with these movements and get better at the movement patterns, which again, remember quality over quantity, right? So I'm getting better at these movements. I'm going to get a better stimulus. I'm going to get more muscles worked better. I'm going to have more muscle fibers recruited. Um, I'm going to improve my movement patterns. And it's going to allow me to progress a little bit more. Or, you know, I could do something like, okay, if there's 20 sets, well, I could also do, let's just say, like seven exercises and have um you know three sets for six of them and two sets for the last one so it'd be 20 sets still but 
am I really getting much out of that last exercise with two sets or those last few exercises with three sets? Maybe. Um, and there's nothing wrong with having two sets for an exercise, but as you can see, like the more exercise you do, it doesn't necessarily mean it's better, right? I like to aim for a little bit less exercises with more sets if we can, um, versus more exercises with less sets because it takes time to get the movement patterns down and it just might be a little bit too fatiguing. Um, so that's what I like to do. So basically again, 15 to 25 total sets. Um, and then I like to break them down. Okay. So like those, um, four to 10 exercises, uh, I like to break them down into, um, basically like three different categories. Uh, you're going to have your strength, you're going to have your accessory work, accessory slash hypertrophy, and then you're going to have your, um, isolation work, right? So your strength is going to be two to four exercises. Your hypertrophy is going to be two to four exercises and your isolation work is going to be, you know, could be anywhere from like two to six exercises, depending on how much you need. Um, your strength work is based on compound movements. These are the big movements that work multiple muscle groups that you can lift the most weight with. It's strength. You're trying to lift as much weight as possible because that's how strength is built. So usually in that one to six rep range, and these are going to be like your barbell squat, your barbell bench press, your barbell overhead press, your chin up, uh, your, your barbell deadlift, things that have a high potential for you to lift the most amount of weight with. Then you're going to have your hypertrophy movements. This is like in that six to 12 rep range. However, you can build muscle in really any rep range from one to 30 reps, but six to 12 reps is that sweet spot. Um, and these are going to be movements that are, and again, hypertrophy slash accessory. These are going to be movements that are number one, help uh, your goal. Number two, they're going to aid in the first movement. So if you're doing a barbell back squat, right, um, on day one, maybe you would do a, uh, you know, like a reverse lunge or something with your second movement, your accessory movement, because that's going to aid in your barbell back squat. Then maybe you would do also like a uh, RDL because you're going to be strengthening your glutes and hamstrings, which aid in your back squat. But also the RDL carries over to your deadlift day. So as you can see, like it's a piece of a puzzle. These Every single exercise has a reason um, for everything. So the hypertrophy slash accessory movements um, are going to be focused. They're still bigger movements, but they're not as taxing, right? So they're not as taxing as like a barbell deadlift where you're putting a shit ton of uh, weight on your back and lifting super heavy weight, but they're still using multiple muscle groups like a Bulgarian split squat um, or a, a reverse lunge or um, a dumbbell bench press or a chest supported row, right? So um, these are going to be uh, things that uh, really help build muscle. Now, we can also add, if you really have a hypertrophy goal, if your goal is more strength, that's where like the accessory movements matter a little bit more because you want your accessory movements, the, the movements after your strength movement to aid in that strength movement. So again, you'd want the movements to aid in your barbell back squat. You'd want the movements to get you stronger in your deadlift, in your chin up. But if you're focusing more on hypertrophy after those, that first exercise still matters a ton, right? Because we want to get stronger. But 
let's say like on your leg day, you um, really want to uh, build your quads. Well, yeah, we want to get stronger, right? Because stronger quads can lift more weight and we can then push more weight to build more muscle. So we still do the barbell back squat. But maybe for exercise two and three, maybe we do, um, for exercise two, maybe we do like a hack squat machine or a leg press, but we do a quad dominant, right? So we get more knee bend. We want our knees over toes because that machine requires, provides more stability. So we don't have to activate as many muscles for the machine because the sheen acts as our stability versus our body's stabilizer muscles and core to act as stability. So what that means is then you can lift, you can target your quads more because the machine's acting as the stability, right? So you load up the machine, you blast your quads, boom, that's better for muscle because now you're recruiting more motor units, more muscle fibers in your quads versus if you had to, let's just say, do like a barbell uh, back squat, you're not only having to worry about your quads working, but you have to worry about your upper back being tight. So some muscle fibers get recruited there. You have to worry about your core being recruited. So your muscle fibers are getting recruited there. Your glutes have to be activated. Your uh, stabilizer muscles have to be activated. Like all these different things have to be activated. But if you use a machine sometimes or you, you use something that adds stability like a bench or um, something like that, that can be good for hypertrophy. This is kind of like really going off track here, but the point is it's very flexible and this is why you can see that there's really no one way to program. There's a million ways. So um, that second tier is going to be that hypertrophy slash um, accessory movements. That's going to be in that six to 12 rep range. And then lastly is going to be like your isolation slash corrective exercise movements. Um, these are going to be icing on the cake, right? So if you really want to build those quads, for example, we'll stick with this, this, this example, uh, an isolation movement was, would be something that's really isolating a muscle. So it would be a leg extension, right? You're, you're isolating your, um, quads or a sissy squat. You're really isolating your quads for upper body. Maybe you really want to build some biceps. So yeah, while you still get a ton of bicep work in a seated cable row or a row or a vertical pull, like a pull up or a pull down, your, your biceps aren't getting most of the work done. So this is where we'd be like, hey, let's get more volume for our biceps. So maybe we'll do a bicep curl um, at the end of the workout, an isolation movement, right? That's where that would happen. Or maybe, um, again, maybe you don't really care too much about specific muscles and you want to work on some corrective exercises. Well, that's something you could do as your warm up. That's something you could do at the end. You can superset it. So um, let's say like I'm bench pressing and then I really want to work on my upper back and shoulders to improve um, and connect and essentially prime those muscles. So and improve my posture. So maybe I'll do some band pull aparts or some face pulls in between sets, almost as like an active recovery. So there's a bunch of different ways you can do this, but I like to split it up into three separate things. Like again, Strength first, um, hypertrophy slash accessories second, uh, and then isolation third. Um, and then in terms of like the workout, ter in terms of how that goes, that this is going to really depend on on your your goal. Um, as a general rule, I like to have one to two 
big compound movements to start my workouts, no matter what my goals are. And then the rest of the workout is basically dependent on whatever my goal is. If I'm focusing on getting really strong, most of the workouts can be based on getting strong. I'm going to be doing a lot more compound movements. I'm going to be doing a lot more lower reps. If my goal is to just get you know strong and fit, don't really care. I'm going to be doing a lot more. Um, I'm going to be maybe doing one or two compound movements, and then maybe the rest of the workout is more again of that like hypertrophy and isolation work. Um, if I want to build up my endurance, again, like maybe I don't do a compound lift then, and then maybe I just start with like a hypertrophy movement. Um, you know, for example, like a maybe instead of doing a barbell bench press, maybe I'll do a dumbbell bench press for ten reps instead of a barbell bench press for five. And then I'll go into like the 15 to 20 rep range for the rest of the workout. So there's a million different ways you can do this, but I like to basically split it off. Like again, um, one to two compound movements to start off. And then, you know, maybe two to three, maybe two to four accessory movements um, in there and then finish off with two to four isolation movements um, based off of your goal, right? So if you want to build your six pack muscles bigger or you want to build your core up, um, maybe that's where something like that, those carries or those anti-rotation works can go and the isolation movements at the end. Or if you want to build a six pack, maybe you do some reverse crunches or some hanging leg raises or some ab wheel rollouts or something like that. Um, that's basically how I would schedule it. There's so much more I could talk about this. There's so much more detail I can go in on this. Maybe I'll make a series on this later on where I can kind of talk deep, more deep into piece by piece because there is a lot. Um but yeah, that's basically exercise selection, why it's important and why you should focus on movements versus muscles. The last thing I'll say before I end this episode is um, how you split this up, right? So typically the more volume you have, if you're a little bit more advanced you need, and you're going to do more work, so like you're closer to like, let's just say you're closer to like that 25 total sets per session, you want to build a, f- a few different muscle groups, you know, you're, you're closer to like that. Um, 15 to 20 sets per muscle group per week to build. Um, maybe you're doing, uh, you know, let's just say like eight exercises per session or six per session or whatever. That's when I would start to split it up a little bit more. So if you're only working out three days, maybe I'll split it up into four days. If you're only working out two days, split it up into three or four days. You don't really need any more than four days. Um, now, if you want to add a fifth day, I don't personally really do it for clients very rarely. But it could be like a conditioning day. It could be just like a isolation day where maybe you hit your arms super hard or like your quads or your glutes hard or uh, your abs hard or whatever. But yeah, typically three to four days is uh, going to be key here. I would say like if you're really busy, definitely like two to three full body days are going to be the best just because you can get the most work done there. Anything, anything. Um, more than that, like four full body days, just gonna be too hard to recover from. And if you need a lot of volume and you're really trying to focus on building muscle, like specific muscle, I don't necessarily know if full body workouts three days a week would be the best. Not saying it won't work. I would more aim for like upper, lower, full in that case because you're gonna be able to get a little bit more volume in per uh, muscle group there. Like, and you're gonna get be able to get in more recovery as well. Because if you're doing three full body days and you're really trying to uh, build some muscle, which does require a certain amount of volume, so a certain amount of work, 
for you, that might be too much to recover from based on how much work you need. Um, so it, it really just depends. So I would say if you're doing two two days, full body, three days could be full body or upper lower full. I think both are just great options. Four days, definitely like an upper lower split. Um, and that's basically it. That's the episode on exercise selection. Hopefully I didn't confuse you guys too much. Hopefully, uh, you enjoyed this episode. Maybe you didn't, maybe you're like this episode fucking sucks. If you did, let me know. I'd love to hear what you thought about this episode. Uh, please leave a five star rating and review. Again, it helps a ton. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a friend or family member. And of course, if you have any questions or concerns or anything like that, email me. My email is in the bottom of the, in the podcast. I answer all your questions for everybody, for those of you that do email me. Thank you. Um, and I'm here to help any way I can. So until next time, we'll talk soon and peace out.